soul care. Man, what a, when, he, when Pastor Nate told me what y'all were talking about, I'm like, that is awesome because if there's anything we need in our world that we live in today, it is soul care. So I want to talk to you tonight about handling pressure like Jesus. Handling pressure like Jesus. Um, I want to look at the life of Jesus and find out how he handled pressure so effectively. Now we, first some of you go, well I don't know if Jesus was pressured, but we're going to talk about it tonight. And He was human, so he dealt with pressure. We know what it's like to have stress. We know what it's like to have strain put on our lives. I was at Chili's restaurant in Liberty just a few weeks ago, and the waitress, I was getting ready to leave. I got a text. I needed to leave kind of in a hurry, and so she walked by. She had her hands loaded with dishes from the table that she was cleaning, and uh, I said, hey, I need to pay out. And so she was putting all this on one arm, and she was trying to take my money. And, and I said, you know what? Just go take care of that, and then you can come back and take my debit card then and take my payment. And she looked at me, and she said, thank you for understanding and doing that. She said, nobody wants to wait anymore. <laughs> nobody wants to wait. Have we gotten that bad that we can't even wait for a waitress to set things down before we expect her to do all this and take our payments? And I was just trying to be nice. And, uh, but it, it just kind of affected me when I heard her say that, that nobody's wanted to wait today. There's terms of pressure. Some of them you've heard. Everybody's heard FOMO, fear of missing out. You've heard of FOBO. Fear of being offline. Some of you are nervous right now because you hadn't been online in like 26 minutes because you logged off at 6.59. Nomophobia. Here's a, this is fear of being out of mobile phone contact. Fear of being out of mobile phone contact. Some of you, that's scary. Some of you, that sounds like heaven. Like, I would love to be out of mobile phone contact. But all of these are forms of anxiety that border on obsession or compulsion. And there's not a person here who does not experience stress and pressure. And that's why you need soul care. More than 100 million people in the U.S. experience various types of allergies each year. 50 million to 70 million people in the U.S. have ongoing sleep disorders. Stunning as it may sound, nearly half of Americans ages 20 years and up or more than 122 million people have high blood pressure. According to the 2023 report from the American Heart Association, high blood pressure. Just this week, a lady told me she requested a prayer, 
And she said, I had to stay home because I've got so much going on in my life right now that my blood pressure got so high from what I had going on in my life that I had to stay home. We've taken high blood pressure and just said it's just a way to live. You take a pill, you try to get it down. Instead, she's had to stay home because of that. More than 400 million people in the U.S. have ulcers. I recently read that 75 to 90 percent of all illnesses are caused by the pressures of modern life. John Hopkins University surveyed 174 hospital patients and found out that 140 of the 174 were what they labeled worrying patients. Now some of you are worried right now if they would label you that. Your, your worry level, just, if I go in the hospital, that's what they would label me. People are filled with anxiety. Not anybody in here, but those out there. They found that out of the 115 had worries that related directly to their physical illness. And over half, 97, could literally point to the fact that their worry and anxiety put them in the hospital bed. When you think about it, worrying, a lot of things we worry about never come to pass. And I'm not going to stay on that because you've heard that before. But don't worry about something to worry about like some people I know. How many of you, this is a rhetorical question, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have at least one worry in your life? Some of you would be happy if it was just one. How many of you are sitting beside that one worry tonight? <laughs> Definitely a rhetorical question. <laughs> like, yeah, that's her. That's him. <laughs> going, going from chapter 13 in the book of John to the end of the book of John, you will find pressure-packed verses. No place in the Gospels do you find more stress, more pressure, more anxiety, more questions to hear because this is the last few days before Jesus goes to the cross. And not only is there more pressure and more anxiety in any part of the Gospels than right here, but there's also no place where there's more intimacy and warmth. John 13 and 1, the first part says, It was just before the Passover festival that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Now that's the key phrase. Jesus knows it's time for him to die and depart from the world to the Father. And then the second part of that verse says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. For his disciples, it was pressure-packed because they learned the most difficult lesson in the entire, their entire time with Jesus and it was the lesson of humility. When Jesus washes their feet after they had argued about who was the greatest, 
during this hour, they also find out more about the death of Jesus, and they find out that they're not going to be supportive of him during the entire process. You're talking about anxiety and pressure. You're talking about feeling the squeeze of life. The disciples started to feel that squeeze of life and the pressure on them. And in chapter 14, they ask all kinds of questions. That's what happens when many of us feel stress. We start asking questions. Lots of questions. Some questions like, what's happening in my life right now? Since I was here last with y'all, y'all know I had cancer and radiation. Most of y'all know that story back in 2012. But at that time, I, I, since then, I hadn't had any complications from that. But just some time back, I was, went to bed. I could hear out of both ears. But at 2 a.m., I woke up in the middle of the night. And this ear, my hearing loss was completely gone in just a matter of overnight, going to sleep and waking up. I thought it was clogged up. I went to the doctor, went back to MD Anderson. They thought maybe I had a little tumor on my eardrum. That was going away. I actually wanted them to find that so they could remove it, my hearing come back. But since then, I, I lost my hearing in my right ear. The only benefit is when Kim's on this side. It works real good. Huh? I didn't hear you. <laughs> but it's crazy because I'm a pastor. I need to talk to people. And I've had people walk up on my right side and they think I'm ignoring them because they speak to me and I just don't respond. And they're like, he's not listening to me today. I've asked God, why? I've asked God to heal me. I'm like, God, the Bible's full of suddenlies. My hearing loss suddenly went away. It could suddenly come back. And I'm going to keep believing that that's going to happen. But it's created some stress in my world. What about the future? We ask questions when we're feeling stress. What about the future? And as the Lord hears these questions from his disciples, he looks at them with amazement and he said, I can't imagine that you've been with me for three years and you still don't understand who I am and what's going on, the death that's been prophesied, everything I've got to fulfill. He was amazed at what slow learners he had had with him. And then we get into chapter 15, and I'm skipping through a lot of this. He says, fellas, you're going to be hated by the world because they hate me. They're going to kill me and the bottom line is, that's what's going to happen to you also. By the time he gets to chapter 16 in John, he's talked to them about death, separation, and not being well-liked. And now he talks to them about loneliness. And every one of us here, we know what it feels like to deal with death. We know what it feels like to deal with separation. We know what it feels like to not be liked, and we know what it feels like to be lonely in a world with people around us, social media all around us. We know what loneliness feels like sometimes. 
The whole chapter deals with the fact that the disciples are going to be left alone without Jesus in the flesh. And that's where he talks about the Holy Spirit who walks alongside will come. In fact, he said, fellas, the Holy Spirit is coming to be your comforter. The greatest soul care I can give you is the Holy Spirit who is your comforter because he's with you inside you 24-7 wherever you're at, wherever it's going on in your world. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will be with you. John 16 and 33, he said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I want to stop there for a moment. He says that in me you may have peace. Quit trying to find peace in other things when Jesus said, in me is where you're going to find peace. I love other people. I love having fun. I love doing all these other things. But if I want real peace, I'm only going to find that in Jesus. And I need to make sure that Jesus is with me every day and everywhere I go. I need to be in his presence. You don't want to be riding with me when I'm by myself because a lot of times I'm seeing. Because I want the peace of God in my life. And, and, and Kim, she says I make up words to songs sometimes during worship. I'm just like, no, they just didn't get them right on the screen because I just come up with words. But you know what? I sing because I want the peace of God and I want to make sure God's with me. So I sing to bring his presence into my life. So there's something powerful about having Jesus because he's the one that will bring peace. Then in direct contrast, the very next statement says, in the world you will have tribulation. Now, some of you are excited because you think I'm going to preach about prophecy, but I'm not because mainly I don't know a lot about prophecy. <laughs> but I know a lot about this tribulation. Tribulation means severe affliction. Tribulation means distresses of life, vexations. Vexations is the state of being annoyed, the state of being frustrated, and the state of being worried. So Jesus, we, we want, when we come to Jesus, we want a perfect free life just without anything going on. But Jesus actually told us, in this world, you will have tribulations. You will have severe affliction. You will have distresses of life. You will have vexations. You will have the state of being annoyed. You will know what it's like to feel frustrated. And you will know what it's like to be worried. So that's going to be there. So in the midst of that, what I've got to do is the contrast. He said, peace from him, but tribulation from the world. So that's why I want to make sure that I've got Jesus, because I want that peace in the midst of everything that's going on in my life. Jesus tells them in the midst of this to be of good courage. 
because I have overcome the world. And then he gets into chapter 17. We're, we're going to go there in a moment because it's out of the first four verses that Jesus models how to handle pressure and stress. But before we get to that, I would like to give you some reasons why Jesus felt pressure and how and see if you can relate with Jesus. Some reasons Jesus felt pressure. Number one, he was misunderstood. I think this could be one of the heaviest reasons why we feel a lot of stress is because we are misunderstood at times. Now sometimes what you said is what you meant and you were understood. But other times you can be misunderstood. And you say things and you didn't mean it that way. It's like when we were at a youth camp one time in Lufkin where we used to go and do the camps there. We went into the workers' cafeteria, and, and the youth president's wife was serving, and the youth secretary's wife was serving, and the youth committee's wife was serving the food. And I walked in, and I said, oh, the big ladies are serving today. There's a lot of ways you can take the big ladies are serving today. I'm not going to bring any names, but some of them... It wasn't just their position. And they like they were getting mad at me. They're like, we're going to throw a potato. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I meant important ladies are serving us today. And I always think of that example, how it's easy to be misunderstood about something that you say and do. Jesus, his mission and his motives were misunderstood so that ought to make us feel better that Jesus was misunderstood and he had pressure from it. The second reason Jesus felt pressured, he was not accepted. He came into his own, but his own received him not. In other words, those who were his colleagues, the religious rulers, did not accept him. And if Jesus wasn't accepted, you're not always going to be accepted, especially when you stand out from the world because you're living a different life than they are. You're living a life that's pleasing to God and acceptable to God. Everybody's not going to accept you. Jesus experienced temptation. The temptation to take a shortcut, not go to the cross he said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Plus, his disciples were slow learners. For three years, they were hanging out with him. Yet, when he gets down to the basics, they're asking all kind of questions from left field. And he marveled and said, how long do you guys have to be with me before you figure out some of this stuff? He was tempted to just push them aside. Then a fourth reason Jesus felt pressured is he carried heavy responsibility. Jesus carried heavy responsibility. He had an incredible job, which was to fulfill the will of the Father and die on the cross so that mankind could be saved. You talking about some pressure of responsibility. Some responsibility that was up on his shoulders. You talk about something that's piling pressure on some of you 
are the responsibilities and the heaviness of the load that we carry in life. Just consider all the things that weigh down our hearts and our lives. Death, loss, illness, worry, political, financial hardships, grief. Got a man right now in our church that lost his dad. And, and some people, it seems like they can move on, but this man... He loved his dad so much, and he's carrying this heaviness that he said, Pastor, I can't get up. I can't move forward in life. It's grief. It doesn't have to be somebody else, but here's a grown man dealing with grief that I I can't believe I lost my father. Guilt. Guilt weighs us down. Marital tension. Some of y'all may have had that on the way to church tonight. Y'all trying to worship together and you want to hit each other. You're like, Jesus, get them, Lord. <laughs> Traumatic events, pressure. Each of these can be a weight that we carry on our shoulders and they can weigh us down. And in the midst of trying to serve God, you, you go, I, I don't know why I feel this heaviness when I want to worship, when I want to praise God, when I want to lift Him up, yet I'm feeling heaviness. Many of the burdens are inevitable and entirely out of our realm of control. I'm learning about seasons of life. I I thought the, the toughest season would be when I first started having my daughters, and they were young, and we were trying to get them to go to school, And and then I finally got them through school and out of high school, and and they started college, and and I'm finding out it it never gets easy. (laughs) I've got one daughter right now getting married this year. This guy said, will you marry me? And then they say, like, open up your checking account. (laughs) That'll create some pressure on you. Got another daughter graduating next month in August. We've got to move her out of her place and find her a job and find her a place. It's pressure. And then in the midst of this, when I thought I'm about to get my daughters, then my mom's dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia and all this. And today I was having to do a telephone call with a doctor, her doctor because my mom can't communicate with the doctor. Many of you have been there, but I'm in this, and I'm like, when does life ever get easy? When do we never feel that responsibility, that heaviness? And I finally come to the conclusion, that's why heaven's going to be so great. Because until we get there, We've got this heaviness of responsibility like Jesus. And we've just got to keep praying. We've got to keep seeking God. We've got to keep coming to Him because He felt the same kind of pressure. The fifth reason Jesus felt pressure is He didn't have enough time. He didn't have much time. Every one of us knows what it's like to get in a time squeeze. Something important to do with X amount of hours to accomplish it. For Jesus, he's down to the last few hours without much time to accomplish everything that the Father sent him to do. 
the pressure of time. Time pressure is a psychological stress. It's not a physical stress, but it's a psychological stress that occurs when a person has less time available, real or perceived, than is necessary to complete a task and obtain a result. I'm one that when I'll get a long to-do list, I want to freeze sometimes. And, and my wife will say, just start working through it one at a time. But I'm like, I don't have time to work through it one at a time. I need to do ten at a time. But I remember going to a basketball game one time, and this team got behind, and the coach gave the team the best advice I've ever heard. They were way behind, and the coach said this. He said, there's no ten-point shots in basketball. We're just going to get them two points at a time. And he said, don't y'all quit. Go out there, hustle. And I watched that team two points at a time come back and get the victory because there was a coach that said, don't feel pressure by the time clock. Just go out there and keep playing your game. I want to tell somebody today, if you're feeling that pressure of time, if it's wearing you out where you need soul care, just keep living for God every day. Just say, tomorrow I'm going to live for God. I'm going to just live for God. I don't know about the next day, but I know right now and I know tomorrow I can live for God and I can serve God because I can handle this. The last reason to discuss why Jesus felt pressure, he left the job unfinished. There are still people that are not turning to him. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And seemingly, the vast majority are not following him or his teachings. And I'm sure you can relate to the reasons Jesus felt pressure. I could, I could really just make a two or three week series out of this, but I've just got a few minutes left. But I want to tell you, I want to give you some reasons of how Jesus handled pressure. Number one, he knew who to go to. In John 17 and 1, when Jesus felt the squeeze, he said, I'm going to lift up my eyes to heaven. When you're feeling that pressure, when the life is coming on you, lift up your eyes to heaven and say, Lord, I'm going to look up to you because you are the author and the finisher of my faith. And I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but you've been here before, God, and you're going to get us through it this time. The second thing, he knew what he came for. Jesus said, the hour has come. In other words, he knew the purpose of his life. He knew he was on the brink of the very reason that he was ushered into the world. Jesus knew what his purpose was. Then the third way that Jesus handled pressure, he had something to give. In verse 4, he said, I have glorified you on earth, and I love this next part. It says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. When I stand before my Creator one day, I want to be able to say that, Lord, you gave me a purpose, you gave me a reason, 
and I stand here and say, I finished the work that you have given me to do. Sometimes it's easy to give up on our purpose. It's easy to want to give up. I pulled up some old notes today. I was sitting, being in the presence of God at Chick-fil-A this morning. (laughs) Y'all know I took a five and a half year sabbatical from preaching. Went to work at Liberty Mutual Insurance. And during that time, I was offered one pastor position. Kim and I prayed about it. We went to the church for six months and didn't feel like it was right. But then finally, somebody started reaching out to us again, the Joneses, and they were a church. They were needing a campus pastor in Liberty. I was feeling a release from where I was at. Kim and I had actually started praying, God, we think we're healed up. We were tired from pastoring. We were wanting to just step away from that. I didn't care if I ever pastored again, and Kim sure didn't care if we ever pastored again. But your pastor, Nathan Keating, kept inviting me to preach during me trying to figure out what was going to be the purpose of the rest of my life. And a couple of things happened. Is one time I told him, I said, man, Nate, I thank you for still giving me the opportunity to come sometimes. And here's what your pastor said to me. And this isn't, I don't want you to take this wrong, but I want you to get the meaning behind it. He said, Clint, I don't invite you to preach because I think you need a place to preach. I invite you to preach because you bless us. You have no idea what that did to me. He probably forgot he told me that. But in that moment in my life, I needed to hear that. But without anybody else knowing, the last Sunday I was preaching in Liberty, Texas at Grace Church to figure out if Kim and I were going to be pastors at that church. The people at Liberty didn't even know. They thought I was just a guest speaker coming in to speak that Sunday. There was only just a few people knew why I was there. But that was May. I don't know what the exact date it was. I should have looked it up. It was the last Sunday in May of 2016. A few days later, I got this text and I saved it. And I've never read it till today because I was trying to delete some files out of my notes app because it's getting clogged up. And here's what the text says. Courtney Pippen's mom sent her this text. May 26th, 2016. The very week I was preaching at Liberty. I wrote in here, this was three days before I was preaching at Grace Liberty to see if our future would be to become the campus pastor. I'd only share this with a few people. And Courtney's mom had no idea about this. And her text to Courtney was this. 
I'm praying that for God to open up a church for Clint Sylvester. I don't know if it's me or it's God. <laughs> How many times when God starts moving on you and you go, I don't know if that's me or that taco that I ate last night. <laughs> I am so glad I found that. It was just wild. And I didn't even plan on sharing it until right now. I was under extreme pressure. Kim and I, we were like, what do we do? Is this our future? Is this what we do? Are we supposed to be here? And I promise you, I hadn't talked to Courtney's mom in a long time. I don't know if she's here tonight or not. But I, I hadn't talked to her. She didn't know what was going on. And she said, I don't know if it's me or God, but I keep having him on my mind, and I'm asking God to call him back to pastoring. Isn't that powerful? Well, let me tell you why. It's because when I was feeling the pressure, when Kim and I were under the pressure, we never quit looking up. All of my life, I, I, from the moment I was conceived, I wasn't conceived in church, but I, was the, I went to church the Sunday after I was conceived. <laughs> Y'all get it in a minute. I was all my life, I had to go to church because my parents were pastors, then I became a pastor. And it was just like, it wasn't a wonder if, if I go to church or I don't go to church, it's just what I do. And the first time in my life, I didn't have to go to church because I was pastor. And there was this actual pressure on me that says, Clint, do you love God enough that you're going to go to church when they're not expecting you to be there as pastor? And I was actually thanking God that I'm going to go to church today because I don't have to go. <laughs> and I found a new career that I didn't have to preach again. But God was moving, and when I received this message from Courtney, Courtney probably forgot, I don't know where she's at in here. There you are. You probably forgot you sent me that message. It's been so long ago, and I'm so easily to forget. But I kept that message in my phone since 2016. Because somebody here, pressure, like, what do you do? My, my daughters are feeling that pressure right now. Like, what do we do with our lives? Like, I don't care what you do, just pay your bills. <laughs> I'm tired of paying them. But here, here's a principle. I, I'm not even getting halfway through here. Here's a principle for handling pressure, and I want to talk about this one, and I'll, I'll close with this one also. Turn everything over to God. Turn everything over to God. Let me read 1 Peter 5 and 7 to you from the Amplified Version. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all your cares, all your, and the, the Amplified Version puts this in here, it says all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, 
once and for all. Own him, for he cares about you. With deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. When you don't even know Jesus is watching over you, he's watching over you. Because listen to this. This is so weird. I do, I do crazy stuff here. I can't find it, but the second note that I found in here, my dad's name's Gary, and so there's a lot of names pulling up, a lot of notes with Gary. But Gene Gary, also one Sunday morning I was here preaching, he come up to me, in 2016, there you are, and you said, Clint, I've been friends with his son, his family a long time. He said, Clint, God's getting ready to open a door. And I'm like, they don't even know God's opening the door right now, and it's just a secret. That's why Parkway's meant so much to me, because God's blessed me so many times when I've been here, and God spoke to me. But the reason is, is because I have taken my anxieties, I've taken my worries, I've taken my concerns, and I've cast them on Jesus because He cares for us. Somebody here tonight, I don't know what your anxieties are. I don't know what your worries are. The keyboards can come. I don't know what your concerns are tonight. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know if you just lost your hearing. I don't know if you're trying to find purpose in life. I don't know if you're like me, you're a season where your kids are becoming adults and your parents are becoming almost invalids again. You're having to take care of them. There's this pressure, man, of like, ah. I don't know where you're at. Maybe some of you are dealing with financial pressures. But all I know is there's a God that we can look up to. And also, there's a God that wants to use you to speak to others like God spoke to me through some people. So when you hear that voice from God, send the text. Share the word. Share the message, because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're facing. And your word that God's trying to get to them can be just what they need to hear. Because maybe somewhere during the week, they cast all their cares on God. It's like, God, I don't know what to do with these cares. I don't know what to do with these concerns. But I know I'm going to cast them on you, and I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to believe in you. Maybe, maybe, God, you could send somebody into my path. Maybe you could send somebody into my world, Jesus. 
and they could speak to me. And I love that he says, cast all, cast all your anxieties. Cast all your worries. Cast all of your concerns. You get the point? Some people say, well, I don't really want to bother God with the small stuff. I know he can handle the big stuff, but I certainly turn those over to him, but I don't want to bother him on everything. And I'm not here to say that every morning you get up, you, you, you make your list to God, and you say, God, bless me as I get in my car. God, bless me as I buckle my seatbelt. God, bless me as I put my car in reverse. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, What About Bob? But it's one of my favorite movies. It was like baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. You have to watch the movie. Although some of you, the way you drive, you probably do need to pray like that. But I do know every day we get up, we need to pray over our day. I want us to stand together tonight. I want us, every day we wake up, we need to pray, God, I don't know what's going on in my world today. It's fitting that they sing this song about the sound mind because pressure will make you want to give in to your mind sometimes. But God wants to heal some of you. You've been in this soul care series, and I, I tried to just fit in here a little bit tonight with the soul care about handling pressure like Jesus. I didn't get to my practical steps of handling pressure. But I do know God's got something for you. And as I wrap this up, I want you to listen to this. It's by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. She said, there's two kinds of persons on earth today. Just two kinds of people. No more, I say. Not the good and the bad. For it's well understood that the good are half bad and the bad are half good. <laughs> if you've got a halo, you probably got horns holding it up. Unless you're my wife, she's perfect. She's just got the halo with no horns. She said, no, there's just two kinds of people on earth. The people who lift and the people who lean. You see, the lifter ask, what can I give? The leaner ask, what can I receive? The lifter ask, who needs me? And the leaner ask, who do I need? The lifter has other people in mind. The leaner has only themselves in mind. One is selfless and one is selfish. So I ask you tonight, are you a leaner or a lifter?
Are you constantly saying, somebody do something for me, somebody do something for me, somebody do something for me? Are you one that walks around listening for an opportunity to bless somebody? So what do you need from Jesus tonight? It's 8.07. I know we're supposed to be through, but if there's anybody, I don't want to leave here without giving somebody an opportunity to just come down to the front for just a minute and say, I know I'm in midst of pressure right now. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Man, I was, I was trying my best to serve God, trying to do everything I wanted, need to do for God, but pressure was just piling on me. So if there's just somebody here that wants to come and we'll pray for you just a minute before we leave here. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. But I just want to give anybody an opportunity that you're dealing with pressure tonight. And you just want to come for just a moment and just get into the presence of God and say, God, I just need some relief from the pressure and I'm going to look to you, Jesus. I'm going to look to you, Lord, because you are my hope. You are my peace. You are my comfort. You're what I need tonight, Jesus. I don't know your circumstance, but I know our God. Amen. I know our God that wants to bless. I know our God that wants to touch. I know a God that wants to heal our minds. I know a God that wants to comfort our souls. I know a God that wants to give us direction. I know a God that wants to give us guidance. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we just come to you right now. We want to be able to handle pressure like you did, Jesus. We want to handle the pressures of life the pressures of society, everything that's going on in our world, we want to bring that to you, Jesus. We want to be strengthened. We want to be blessed. We want to be encouraged tonight. God, maybe somebody here is going through tribulation. Maybe they're going through vexations. Maybe they're going through severe affliction tonight. You told us even in the midst of these tribulations that we're going through, that we could be of good cheer because you've overcome the world, Lord. You've overcome it already, Jesus. You've overcome it already for us. We can overcome tonight because we can come and be in your presence. Hallelujah. These that are here, just lift your hands to Him right now. Just look unto Him. Just do what Jesus did. He looked up. He knew where to look. Hallelujah. Jesus.